Hey, hey, y'all. Cable here. This week's show brought to you by the Stillwaters Ranch in Lano, Texas. Right now, my buddy Clayton Leverett is offering a special trophy package for the 2016-17 whitetail season. It's any buck up to 199 inches for seven grand. Yes, I know. That's a lot of money. But so are deer leases, fuel, corn, feed, all that stuff. It adds up. So, if you want a no-hassle whitetail experience at a beautiful ranch that's been in the Leverett family since 1892, then go to stillwatersranch.com. Tell Clayton I sent you. He'll take good care of you. That's stillwatersranch.com in Lano, Texas. Well, I'm going to pick up some of these empties, Lord, as soon as I find where they lay. Tied off them jolly and leaving mines on a long, hot summer day. Yeah, for every day I'm working on the Illinois River. Get a half a day off with pay. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. The Turnpike Troubadours, long, hot summer days, kicking things off for us on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm your host, Cable Smith, and there's no place I'd rather be than right here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. Thank you so much for being here with me. It is a pleasure and an honor to get to do this with you week in and week out. Uh, Thank you so much for being a part of it, as always. We've got a great show lined up for you today. So, you know what to do. Grab that stool, pull it up a little closer to the campfire, pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos. Yeah, that one that's still got the mud caked on it from... The 2014 waterfowl season. Hey, if it's if it's my thermos, it's probably got mud on it from the 2010 waterfowl season. I don't think I've ever cleaned that thing off. Uh, I don't know if I've ever rinsed it out, to be honest. That's gross. Ugh. Oh, well. I <laughs> hope yours is cleaner than mine. But either way, pour yourself another cup and get ready to rock and roll because off the top, we're going to talk summer catfishing. That's right. Those long, hot summer days might be here. But the catfish bite can be equally as hot. And our longtime friend... Chad Ferguson from the Catfish Edge will drop by to break down uh, his article on nine tips to catching summer catfish. Uh, So cool stuff coming up here with Chad. After that, we'll get into uh, a very controversial topic in the world of archery. As uh, if you're unaware, uh, Crossman Rifles, they also own Benjamin Air Rifles, they recently released the first ever airbow and it's actually a, uh, a a weapon that shoots an arrow, but looks like a gun. And the Archery Trade Association, you might know them as the ATA, they recently released a press release with their opinion on whether or not the airbow is truly archery tackle. Uh, needless to say, Crossman was not very happy with the press release. And we'll talk about all that stuff with the ATA's Director of Government Relations, Mitch King, uh, coming up here in just a bit. Uh, Next, what are we doing? Uh, Oh, yeah. Have you ever tried to eat carp, buffalo, or gar? Um, I actually have eaten gar. I've not tried the other two. But there are some species out there that are not that bad. And when it comes to bow fishing, you know, at the end of the night, So many guys take all the fish that they've shot and they basically just dump them in a ditch or uh, put them in a fertilizer pile. And uh, it's sad to see some of those species get wasted. But, I mean, to be honest with you, who's going to eat a carp? Mm, I know I'm not. 
uh, or I wasn't. But uh, Will Brantley has eaten some carp and actually has a phenomenal recipe for buffalo, which according to some folks is a southern delicacy, uh, which I had no idea about. But uh, we'll see if Will can change our minds and and convince us to uh, start saving some of those rough fish and preparing them for the table. Now, like I said, gar is tasty. If you can get those back straps out, uh, I always recommend saving those. But some of the other ones, mm, I've never tried. Uh, so cool stuff coming up here with Will as we'll talk some bow fishing and rough fish. And then we will wrap up today's broadcast with a uh, a funny story that actually went down at the Smith House last week. We had some longtime friends in from New York, and I introduced one of them to urban bow hunting, uh, taking a cottontail rabbit with my bow right in front of him. Do you think it went over well? Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I find it funny, uh, needless to say. My wife, not so much, but uh, that's what's coming up on today's broadcast. It's going to be a good one. We'll be all over the map. Lots of great content coming at you. Um, let's see. A couple other things to mention. Our August Photo of the Month contest is now open. We're giving away a Mossberg 935 semi-automatic shotgun as our August grand prize. So send in your best outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com or... You can post your best hunting or fishing image on our Facebook page or message it to me on Instagram. However you want to do it, just send it in. And then uh, our 12 monthly winners from 2016 will square off at the end of the year once again for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So cool stuff on that front as well. Um, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a Texas Trophy Hunters cap. And two VIP tickets to the TTHA show of your choosing. That's right, Fort Worth is going on this weekend, so uh, those tickets won't do you any good. But if you want to hit the San Antonio, Houston, or Corpus Christi extravaganza, then text in the word TROPHY, that's TROPHY, to 214-289-7807. That's TROPHY to 214-289-7807. Everyone who texts in is eligible for a drawing at the end of the weekend, and you'll win a Texas Trophy Hunters cap and two tickets to the extravaganza of your choice. We'll also throw in a Lone Star Outdoors Show sticker to boot. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we are talking late summertime catfishing with Chad Ferguson of the Catfish Edge right here on DSC's Lone Star Outdoors Show. Looking for dove in all the wrong places. Looking for dove shooting off the bases. Cable Smith here for Lone Star Ag Credit. We all know land is a limited commodity. Let's face it, they're not making any more of it, but everybody wants it. Whether that's to build a house, hunt deer, or run cattle, allow Lone Star Ag Credit to help make that land your land. They've been doing it since 1917. For more information, Visit LoneStarAgCredit.com to let them help you finance your piece of Texas today. We all love fishing, but private water fishing makes the experience even more enjoyable. Private means private, and when you reserve one of over 50 private lakes, that means you're the only one on the water. 
Lakes are stocked and professionally managed to grow big bass, and most have boats on site at no charge. You'll catch bigger numbers and bigger fish than on public water. Silence, solitude, and no crowds. It's a great way to introduce kids and grandkids into the outdoors. Visit privatewaterfishing.com to become a member today. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Hey, this is Mitch Moreland with the Texas Rangers. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show with my buddy Cable Smith. Mud between my two The first day of sun I cut me a cane pole Catfish fishing, one of my favorites there from our old buddy Guthrie Kennard, bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show, brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith. It is certainly great to be here talking outdoors with you this morning. I appreciate you dropping by and sharing a part of your weekend with me as we're about to get into a little dog days of summer catfish fishing here momentarily. But before we do that, this segment of the show is brought to you by the Stillwaters Ranch in Llano, Texas. My buddy Clayton Leverett is offering a trophy hunt package, any white-tailed buck up to 199 inches for a flat rate, seven grand. Yes, of course, that's a lot of money, but uh, so are deer leases, feed, protein, uh, fuel, ATVs, you add it up, yeah. You might actually be saving money by booking <laughs> with Clayton. But uh, I've hunted out there. It's a no-hassle, uh, just absolutely enjoyable hunt with great people. Check it out, stillwatersranch.com to book your trophy hunt today. Okay, uh, moving right along here, let's go ahead and talk some catfishing because, honestly, who doesn't like a good catfish fry? It's the species, along with crappie, that my grandfather chased after relentlessly uh, because he was like, oh, who wants to eat a bass when you can eat catfish or crappie? I imagine many of y'all's grandfathers were the same way, uh, but I do love a good catfishing trip. And so joining us now to uh, talk about Mr. Whiskers here in the dog days of summer, it's our old friend and longtime guide, Chad Ferguson of the Catfish Edge. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, hey, let's let's talk some, 
summer catfishing. Uh, the dog days of summer are officially here, man. It's hotter than hell. Um, <laughs> but the catfish action can be just as hot. And uh, I came across this piece that you wrote for the Catfish Edge, uh, nine late summer catfishing tips. And I thought there was some great insight there that our listeners might be able to take advantage of. Um, so the first thing was leverage the heat. And you talk about finding areas with higher oxygen concentrations. Uh, so how does, you know, how do you go about finding those areas? Well, you know, it's kind of a, a, a one-two punch, I guess, or a combination of, uh, you know, a number of things. It's leveraging uh, areas with higher oxygen levels and then also um, areas with shade. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, oxygen, obviously, a number one go-to is, is wind. Um, you know, generally, anytime you've got wind, the catfishing is going to be better mm-hmm. uh, than without wind. You know, that wind turns the water up, puts more oxygen in the water, you know, breaks things up. Fish can't see as well, carries scent, moves bait fish, all those fun things that go on. So work with the wind. Um, you know, fish, it, it, windblown shorelines or, or areas with the wind blowing into them instead of area, areas with the wind blowing away from them. Uh, are usually going to be better. And then, obviously, shade, you know, it's pretty simple. Uh, mm-hmm. Boat docks, any kind of cover, um, you know, just anything that's going to gonna create a little bit of shade, something for those fish to get up under. Okay. A lot of times, the difference, you know, between two or three feet with being, you know, bright sunshine and being some good shade cover makes all the difference in the world for fish where, where the fish are going to be. Um, you know, with the back to the oxygen, you know, if you've got, um, you know, anything in, in the lakes or reservoirs that's going to produce oxygen, uh, a lot of the, the lakes have aerators in them. Uh, a lot of them have uh, areas where they're pumping water into the lakes or reservoirs, and obviously those are going to be highly oxygenated areas. Okay. Well, and then the next thing you mentioned here is punch the channel cats, and I'll let you uh, go into a little bit of detail on that one. Yeah, you know, it's there's a million different debates about catfish bait. And what I use is pretty simple. And, you know, obviously here in Texas, we don't have a whole lot of really big channel catfish. Um, you know, where you go places like, um, you know, up on the Red River or the north, you know, where they got 25, 30-pound channel catfish that they catch on a frequent basis. We just don't have those here. Majority of the lakes in Texas, you know, one to five pound channel catfish are going to be pretty common with maybe some outliers here and there. There's mm-hmm. certainly some exceptions, but, you know, majority of the fish that people are going to be find are going to find are those one to five pound fish. And I'm of the opinion that there is no better bait for those smaller numbers of channel catfish than that old, uh, you know, punch bait. A lot of people call it stink bait, but... Right. Um, you know, punch bait's just a, a form of prepared bait. It's really thick. It's got a lot of fiber in it. It sticks to a bare treble hook. You just take that hook, punch it down in the bait, pull it out. It sticks on there. And that stuff is deadly for catching channel catfish. Works really well in the summer because it holds up well in the heat, and the scent travels really well in that warm water. So you're really going to get the fish drawn in there and, uh, you know, help catch more numbers every time you throw it out there in the water. Um, yeah, I mean, punch bait, that's, I think that's what everyone's grandfather used, you know. It's still, uh, 
all these years later, still the, you know, the go-to. As far as the uh, the next tip you mentioned here, though, you chum them up. Uh, so talk about, you know, what you use to chum up catfish. Um, you know, I personally use soured wheat. Um, you can use any sort of sour grain. Uh, wheat and milo are usually the most common. Um, another option, if you don't have the stomach or the facilities to deal with uh, a sour grain, is uh, just old 20% uh, cattle cubes that are almost like cotton feed cakes that you know people used to use a million years ago. Um, but I like to use that soured wheat. You know, you just take wheat and water, put it in a bucket, let it ferment. It smells god awful. Okay. Go out there, take a little bit of it, throw it in the water, spread it around real good. It doesn't take very much. That's usually where people go wrong. They just think, well, a little's good, so a whole lot's better. Um, you know, it doesn't take much at all. Just a little bit. Like I usually tell people about the size of a Coke can. You really don't need much more than that. Just throw it out there in the water, kind of spread it around. And if the fish are anywhere in that area or near that area, then they'll move in and, and start feeding, and you can start catching fish. And if the bite starts to slow down, so I mean, just throw a little bit more of that stuff in the water. And, uh, you know, usually more often than not, you can get in there and uh, catch a whole bunch of fish pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, good insight on that front. Uh, as far as flatheads, uh, you mentioned you, you really need a time the flatheads uh, this time of year? Yeah, you know, flathead fishing, I, I think in general, it, it can be frustrating um, because it, it's generally a lot slower fishing than fishing for blues and channels. But, uh, you know, really paying attention uh, this time of year uh, and kind of honing in when those fish are moving and feeding can really help. I usually like uh, to always fish at night because I just can't stand out, stand to sit out there for long periods of time during the day uh, this time of year. Mm-hmm. But fishing at night, I usually like to fish from about 9 until about 11.30 or 12, and then again early, early in the morning from about 3.30 until the sun comes up. And those two times seem to be the most active where those fish are up moving around and uh, seem to produce the best flatheads. Okay. Okay, yeah. And uh, as far as where you're targeting those fish, uh, are you? do you go back in the rivers and those, those deep bends in the rivers and, and look for log jams and stuff like that? Uh, you know, I do, but with, with the technology that we have today, um, it's gotten a whole lot easier than it used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, I run that big Hummingbird Onyx 10 uh, with side imaging, and, you know, I can pretty much see everything that's going on in any direction around me in, in, in good detail. And, you know, I'm usually out there running that side imaging. Sometimes I target structure, but I've gotten to where more so uh, I'm usually looking for areas where those flatheads are moving hmm. um, because you can actually see on side imaging sonar uh, where those fish move to feed. And um, so a lot of times I'm looking for those areas where they're moving to feed every night and then actually just fishing those areas waiting for them to come through. Okay. Okay. 
Um, next tip you offer up, uh, drifting for scattered fish this time of year. Yeah, the challenge this time of year, it's, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. If you're fishing saltwater, freshwater, it doesn't matter what species you're fishing for. You know, the challenge this time of year, the water's hot, uh, fish are moving, and they're moving quick, usually. Um, you know, the white bass guys, the crappie guys, everybody's kind of fighting the same thing. And the problem that you, you're faced with is that you've got fish all over the lake, uh, deep water, shallow water, everywhere in between, suspended, you name it. And a lot of times, uh, just getting out there, looking for scattered fish on sonar, drifting and covering a lot of water, uh, a lot of times that's the best approach. And how you do that can vary. And, you know, if you fish at night, you might want to move up more shallow, drift up in, you know, anywhere from, five to 10, 15 foot of water daytime, you may want to move out a little bit deeper. You know, there's a million different options, but if you cover enough water, you get that bait in front of enough fish, it's kind of hard to not catch fish. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and just a little side note here. Um, talk about the importance of using fresh cut bait or fresh shad versus frozen. Well, uh, you know, frozen bait's better than no bait. Sure. <laughs> um, but it, it, as a general rule, that fresh shad is going to outfish frozen bait, you know, 10 to 1. Um, it stays on the hook better, and, and the fish usually hit it a whole lot quicker. Um, this time of year, you shouldn't have any problems at all catching bait. You know, you can usually go up uh, around any kind of lights, um, you know, boat ramps, marinas, anything like that at night, and, and you should be able to catch some shad without any problems at all. Um, you know, usually the, the cooler water is when people start having problems catching bait. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you put a little bit of time and effort into it this time of year, it's going to pay off, uh, you know, big by having that fresh bait. Right, right. Uh, an interesting thing here that you also mentioned is uh, forget jugs and trot lines. It's, uh, it's so dang hot. Um, that you advise against it. Not that you can't catch fish on them, but I'll let you talk about why that is. Yeah, you know, when the water gets hot, um, there's a couple things that goes on, and this kind of ties into one of the other things that I was going to talk about. But, uh, you know, when the water gets hot, thermocline sets in. So basically you have a layer of water down towards the bottom Mm -hmm. uh, in lakes and reservoirs like we have here in Texas that don't have moving water in them. where that thermocline sits down, you have a layer of, of water down there on the bottom where there's no oxygen. So anything that goes down there can't stay down there. The fish will go down there and they'll pick stuff up, but they can't stay there very long because there's no oxygen down there for them to live. Well, even the, the, the middle and upper column of that water column don't have as much oxygen in them when that water gets hot. The hotter it is, the less oxygen there, there is in the water. And, um, so what happens is people go out there and they set jug lines and trot lines where in the fall or winter you can go out and those fish, you know, may live for, for days uh, sitting on those lines. They won't do that in the summertime. A lot of times it's a matter of hours before they, they'll die. Hmm. Um, definitely if you put those hooks down below thermocline, which is usually going to be anything deeper than about 20, 21, 22 feet of water, Nothing down there is going to live. 
Mm-hmm. If you stay above the thermocline, uh, especially during the day, and you leave those lines out for an extended period of time, those fish aren't going to make it very long. And, uh, you know, you'll go and, and pull them in. They'll be all rigor mortis up and funky color and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's bad for the, bad for the fish and, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, uh unfortunately really no payoff get, for your, if you're going to put the work into it. I mean, it seems kind yeah. of pointless, so. Yeah, there's no payoff, and, and unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of big fish that get killed every year because of people doing that, and, uh, you know, they get pulled in, and they're stiff. People just throw them off and let them float off, and, and you know, they go to waste, which we don't, any of us don't want to see. Right, right. Well, yeah, and you talked about, you mentioned the thermocline there, uh, and you talked about the importance of learning it, knowing it, and, you know, being able to find it. Yeah, so you just get out there if you're uh, fishing from a boat. You know, if you're not fishing from a shoreline, it's pretty easy. You download the Navionics map application on your phone. You can see the water depth on there. Uh, if you're fishing from a boat, get out there, drive around. You'll see when you get in the water that's deeper than about 21 feet or so. When you move out in that deeper water and you watch that sonar screen, you'll start to see a line across the bottom at that depth, and and it'll look like uh, you know, a bunch of feedback or fuzz that's everything down below that depth. And that's the thermocline that you're seeing on that sonar screen. Mm-hmm. You catch fish down below it, but they, it's tough, and I've never done very well with it. Usually your best approach is going to be to either fish water that's shallower than that thermocline, or if you're going to fish out in that deeper water where a thermocline is, then you have to suspend the baits and keep them up above that thermocline. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, across the board, uh, some really valuable tips here. And folks can go to the uh, catfishedge.com to not only check out that article, but uh, all of the stuff that you've published on there. And uh, if if uh, someone out there wanted to book a trip with you, Chad, what's the best way to go about doing that? Uh, they can find me either there at catfishedge.com or at txcatfishguide.com. And which lakes do you primarily fish? Uh, well, we kind of move around a little bit here and there. Right now, we're primarily fishing at Eagle Mountain Lake. We, we do a little bit on Lake Worth, uh, Ray Roberts, Louisville, just kind of, you name it. It just kind of depends on the weather and what the fish are doing. Right on, right on. Well, hey, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for sharing some insight with us, and I look forward to doing it again somewhere on down the line. All right. Thanks, Cable. Well, there he goes, Chad Ferguson, our good buddy from the Catfish Edge. Uh, great to have him on the show. Uh, that segment, by the way, brought to you by Two Texas Traditions. I'm talking about Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue, where you can stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And uh, also, STI Guns. Come to think of it, I don't know if I've ever been into a Rudy's without carrying an STI. But uh, STI is based out of Georgetown. They've got a full lineup of 1911 and 2011-style pistols in all manner of calibers. Check them out at sti-guns.com. And go Texan, go STI. Let's knock out a break. Up next, we'll get into the brand-new and extremely controversial airbow that was just released by Crossman and Benjamin Air Rifles. Uh, Is it a bow or is it a rifle? We break that down next with the Archery Trade Association's Mitch King only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Back where the dog would fly.
The Texas Trophy Hunters Association is proud to bring you the 2016 Hunters Extravaganza. Now at the Fort Worth Convention Center. Check out the latest in deer hunting gear and technology. Bring the kids to see Gator Country's Live Gator, Joe Martin Snakes of Texas, and more. Now hear this. It's Hunters Extravaganza time. Visit me, the Gunny, this weekend, August 5th through the 7th at the new location, Fort Worth Convention Center. The granddaddy of all hunting shows returns to Fort Worth. For details or online tickets, visit huntersextravaganza.com. Gunny appearing August 6th only. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers, from small single-axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com. Are you looking for the perfect place to send your hunting buddy? Then check out Tioga Retrievers. With over 20 years experience, Angie and Tim Becker can provide you with a field champion or a well-rounded hunting companion. Tioga Retrievers takes pride in catering to the needs of each owner and their dog. Conveniently located 45 miles north of DFW in Aubrey, Texas, Tioga Retrievers also offers day training and boarding. Call 940-440-0018 or visit them online at www.tiogaretrievers.com. That's T-I-O-G-A retrievers.com. Was I alone or in a hunter's dream? Cause the moment of truth was here and now I felt his touch, I felt his guiding hand The buck was mine Jam right there from Uncle Ted Nugent bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Fred Bear is the name of that one. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thanks to uh, our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players. And thanks to you for being here today. It is certainly great to be talking all things outdoors with you. Now, coming up here in just a second, we've got an interesting topic to tackle uh, regarding the world of archery. But before we do that, this segment of the show is brought to you by Scent Blockers HUI Hog Under Influence Attractant. I've been spraying it at my dear lease. And let me tell you this, not only do the hogs come in droves, but they seem to stick around longer because HUI has a natural ingredient that causes hogs to stay calm. And it's actually the same thing they use on thoroughbred horses at at the track uh, to calm them down. Anyway, this natural... Uh, ingredient is made from a root and uh, the folks over at Simplocker have found a way to get that into 
the HUI spray. You, you've sprayed on your bait pile, and uh, I'm telling you, it makes a world of difference. Check it out. It's HUI, and you can find it at simplocker.com. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest here. He is the Director of Government Relations for the Archery Trade Association, or ATA, um, as you might know them. And we've got to get into this controversial airbow that just hit the market. It's my pleasure to welcome Mitch King to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to uh, good to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for the Archery Trade Association? Well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm what's uh, titled, I guess, is the Director of Government Relations. I work with state wildlife agencies uh, on a whole variety of things, primarily uh, issues related to archery and bow hunter recruitment activities opportunities like that uh, as well as uh, as well as issues that come up occasionally dealing with uh, archery and our bow hunting regulations and uh, mm-hmm. so that's what that's what occupies the majority of my time perfect well yeah and we're certainly talking to the right guy because this week the ata released a statement on the airbow which i believe up to this point only benjamin air rifles has released one you you might uh, be able to provide some more insight on that, but that's the only one I've seen. Um, can you kind of describe exactly what an airbow is to our audience? Well, uh, I uh, I guess about the only thing we we know about airbows because they uh, just come out. Uh, Crossman Corporation has put out the Pioneer Airbow, and best I can describe it is that it's uh, uh, an air gun that and should instead of shooting a uh, a, a a slug of some sort, uh, it, it shoots a uh, an arrow. It's uh, probably the best way that I can explain it, but uh, you probably should should have uh, have that better explained by the uh, by the Crossman folks. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, it certainly looks like a gun, and peop- you know, you put a scope on it, and I, I know Jim Shockey's mm-hmm. a big proponent. He's used it in a couple hunts, um, and it, it, to be honest, it looks like a really cool weapon. But to me, yeah, it sure it surely does. Yeah. Uh, and cable and it's uh, I mean, I, Crossman is a is a member of of the Archery Trade Association, and and I got to give them kudos for uh, for continuing to come up with uh, uh, with exciting equipment. And this looks like a fun uh, a fun piece of equipment to shoot. I've never shot one before, but uh, certainly uh, certainly seems to be a uh, a, a step in innovation towards uh, uh, to- towards another. And which is providing us another good piece of uh, shooting equipment. Sure, sure. Well, so like we said, it's really an air rifle that shoots an arrow. Um, there's no limb or strings, and the, kind of what you guys alluded to in your press release is that's what defines a bow or archery in general is it's got to have limbs and a string. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's accurate. I mean, what we've uh, what we've uh, tried to do is just focus in on. Uh, in, in response to questions coming from not only some of other of our members, but as well as uh, state wildlife agencies that are beginning to see this and beginning to hear about this piece of equipment, uh, uh, they ask us about uh, about whether or not it should be archery equipment or it is archery equipment. And what we've tried to do in our uh, in our release uh, our, our position statement here is to, uh, uh, to to simply say, look, it's uh, in in the definitions that we know and in sort of the traditional way. Uh, limbs and strings uh, using a, a system of flexible limbs and and strings to propel uh, an arrow is uh, is sort of a, a really basic definition of uh, of archery and 
and the way the uh, the air gun is, the best of my knowledge of the air gun, it has uh, neither limbs nor strings. Mm-hmm. Right. And, well, and you take into account, you know, it, it also what I was reading about it can shoot 450 feet per second. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would guess it has probably a longer range than most compound bow hunters. I mean, you could probably reach out there a little ways with it. Um, and I yeah, guess, it's got some uh, the the speed. I think I've seen that same figure, 450. Uh, feet per second but but again uh, I, I don't we you know that doesn't necessarily uh, impact where we're at with our position uh, one way or the other it is uh, uh, if if someone were to come up with a, a crossbow or a, a compound bow that shot 450 feet per second it would still be utilizing limbs and flex or flexible limbs and strings to uh, to make that happen mm-hmm. and uh and thereby we would still consider it's not a speed thing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say that that uh, factored into our decision. Okay. And a lot of the states have approved the air bow. Um, I don't believe any of them have actually approved it for their general archery season, though. Uh, are you aware of any state that said, yeah, we're going to accept this? I uh, I have not as, as an archery season uh, piece of equipment, uh, and I'm not aware of the uh, states that that have approved it as as legal hunting equipment. I assume uh, you must be looking at something uh, something other than the stuff, the information I have. Huh. Okay. Just don't know. I know several have asked us to uh, uh, to uh, for for our advice on it, and and several have uh, since this has gone out have expressed appreciation for our uh, our, our advice that we provided them. Yeah, no, this is actually on the Crossman website where they have it mm, okay. highlighted as states where you can legally take game with it. But that's what I was asking if anybody had said, sure. any state wildlife agencies had said, yeah, we're going to allow this during archery season. Uh, to me, the point of archery season is for the hunter to really test his skills and experience against the animal. It's it's not that rifle hunters don't do that. I mean, I, I do both. And yeah, rifle hunters, you know, it, it takes practice and a skill set as well. Um but as far as bow hunting, you've got to get in close, and, you know, it's just a little bit more difficult. And I think that's kind of the point of archery season. So if this weapon is going to take any of that difficulty level away, uh, you know, uh, it kind of to me seems a little bit like cheating. Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know if I'd use the word cheating, but I know in the state wildlife agencies, the directors are are challenged with, with you know, having a couple of basic uh pieces of information when they set seasons one is you know how many animals can uh, uh can can be taken off the population that's uh, that's out there and then what's the effectiveness of the equipment and and because guns are are much more effective than than archery equipment uh gun hunting seasons are more restrictive than archery seasons and and all of the products that are currently nested in archery uh, have a, a similar effective uh, effectiveness when it comes to uh, uh, to uh, to taking the animals and, uh, and and I don't know what the effectiveness of the Crossman uh, uh, Pioneer Arbor is, but uh, uh, but that's the kind of information that state wildlife agencies take into consideration, and and I think right now they're trying to trying to decide is this a uh, number one is it a legal uh, would it be considered legal hunting equipment, and number two. Uh, should it be uh, nested in the uh, in the archery season, or should it be allowed during gun season? I think they're still trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever they come up uh, decide on is 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 okay with the Archer Trade Association. We simply uh, 
when asked, we we give them our position statement on it. Right, right. Well, uh, I guess the only purpose I could see for this uh, airboat being allowed during the uh, the archery only season would be for a handicapped or disabled person, and you know that's a whole other can of worms. But uh, other than that, I I just don't see how if if and like you guys said, this is not a bow. So let's not uh, consider it for archery. That's kind of my position anyway, just basically reiterating uh, y'all's press release. Well, yeah, that's, that's similar. I mean, I, I do, uh, we all recognize that uh, uh, those that, uh, that have some sort of disability uh, and need some special uh, recognition during, uh, during hunting seasons uh, are, uh, we, we need to, we, we need to, to make allowances for those uh, those individuals and make sure they have the opportunity to uh, to get out and enjoy the woods. And if uh, if a state wildlife agency makes the decision to uh, uh, to allow this as as part of their uh, uh, disability offerings to uh, to hunters in their states, uh, uh, that's that you know certainly the ATA has not uh, in any way concerned about that. And mm-hmm. uh, and again, I think all of these kinds of things you're talking about are the, the the really tough decisions that state directors have to make when it comes to uh, uh, to uh, uh, deciding when and where particular pieces of equipment are should or or shouldn't be used and what the ATA tries to do is just provide them as much uh, good information to make their decision on as we possibly can and that's sure. the point of the position statement here yeah yeah <clears throat> okay mitch and and obviously crossman. Uh, felt like they needed to respond to y'all's press release. They put out one of their own uh, as a reply, and it was pretty pointed. Um, they took exception to what your definition of, of archery equipment was. Uh, and the thing that stood out to me, there's two things. Number one, they say that lots of archery hunters out there are petitioning state wildlife agencies to allow the use of the airbow during archery season. Uh, based on the response that I've seen on my Facebook and Instagram pages, I'd like to know who those people are because no one, save for a couple disabled veterans, uh, expressed any desire to have this weapon be made legal during archery season. So where are all these hunters? I'd like to meet them. Well, I, I guess the, I, I'd certainly like to uh, uh, to see the the numbers that that uh, Crossman are claiming, but but I'm not going to dispute their numbers because I, I don't know. I just like you, I've not seen a whole lot of folks that have. That have responded negative, negatively to our position statement that we uh, that we took on the equipment. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it's a very uh, it's a very innovative piece of equipment. Uh, probably a lots of fun to shoot, uh, and uh, and and I want to make sure that uh, that Crossman gets a uh, an attaboy for coming up with uh, with innovative equipment like this. But mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not like you. I've not seen a lot of folks. Uh, but again, I'm not going to dispute their numbers. Sure. Well, sure. And, and then the second thing is, yeah, it's innovative, but it's also uh, excise tax exempt. So you look at the Pittman-Robertson Act, which hunters placed on themselves in the 1930s, um, air rifles and air bows are exempt from that tax. Now they've said, oh, they're going to take measures to, you know, have their weapons included. But as of right now, um, they're not paying anything towards wildlife conservation with the sale of those weapons. Well, that, that's correct, uh, Cable, and, and I think the uh, uh, the only thing I would say to correct your statement uh, is is they're not exempt; they're just not included as taxable product. The the IRS uh, 
tax code uh, identifies bows as as equipment that has a series uh, a series of, of flexible limbs and strings that pro- that uh, propel the arrow, mm-hmm. and they identify guns as uh, our firearms, taxable firearms, as firearms that are that pr- that uh, uh, propel a projectile uh, utilizing an explosion, and uh, and of course pneumatic uh, pneumatic firearms do not utilize an explosion to propel, so therefore they're not taxable. It's not that they're not a, that they're exempt from the tax. It's just that they're not identified as a taxable item, mm-hmm. and uh, and the same way with the uh, uh, with the archery uh, tax code. So uh, so yeah, and and while they I commend them for uh, for wanting to try to change that at this point in time, the uh, uh, the airbow uh, is not a taxable item. All right. Yeah, and, and also I got to say that I I do have a lot of, uh, of experience with tax code issues uh and, and when it comes to the, these kinds of taxes and uh and while it it is a long drawn out process to uh, uh to make the uh, uh to to add a piece of equipment to it as a taxable product and uh and again if if that's where they intend to go that'll be great and when they get there this will be another issue well i certainly appreciate you guys coming out and and uh kind of defining what uh, archery equipment is or or isn't, uh, you know, what's the definition mm-hmm. of a bow? Um, this air gun doesn't fit the definition. And and like we said, nothing against Crossman or, or Benjamin. I mean, this thing, it looks awesome. I'd love to have one, uh, but uh, I don't think it would be necessarily fair to, to be using it during the archery-only season. Um, I guess kind of wrapping things up here, Mitch, when is the ATA show uh, slated for um, this winter? I believe it's actually January the 10th through the 12th are the days that I recall on my calendar, and uh, and it's going to be in Indianapolis this year, and uh, and I uh, am looking forward to it. It should be a should be another great show. Perfect. And, and Indianapolis folks, is always a great place. Oh yeah, yeah. And if folks want to check out uh, y'all's website, where where can you direct them? Yeah, it's archerytrade.org, uh, and. Uh, We'd love to have you go there, and you can you can see just uh, a whole variety of uh, of information about uh, about the Archer Trade Association, the show, as well as uh, as well as uh, our position statement on airbows, as well as our position statement on crossbows, and uh, and uh, yeah, look forward to any follow up questions or conversations you might need. Yeah. All right, Mitch. Well, hey, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks again for your time today. All right. Thank you very much, Cable, and uh, look forward to uh, to hearing from you again. All right, there he goes, Mitch King, Director of Government Affairs for the Archery Trade Association. Uh, Interesting stuff there. Uh, That segment of the show, by the way, proudly brought to you by Port Aransas, Texas, my favorite vacation destination. Not only does Port A offer miles and miles of surf, uh, the beautiful deep blue waters of the Gulf of Mexico, amazing sunsets, and a truly unique island vibe but the local restaurants will actually cook up your catch right there on the beach at sundown so do what i do come and play texas island style for more information on your next vacation visit port aransas.org let's knock out a quick break up next an interesting field to fort topic for you have you ever considered eating carp or other rough fish hey some of them might not really be that bad that's next, only on DSC's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Not on this long and long.
you're looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guides scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. This is Aaron Lewis, and thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Two flags fly above my land and really sum up how I feel. One is the colors that fly high and proud, the red, the white, the blue. The other one's got a rattlesnake with a symbol. One of my favorites there from our very own Aaron Lewis bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for letting me ride shotgun with you on this lovely weekend. I hope that you and yours have big plans to get into the great outdoors this weekend. Uh, maybe do a little crappie fishing or hey, uh, might as well grab that bow and do a little boat fishing, which is what we're going to talk about here momentarily. Not just bow fishing, but uh, actually turning those rough fish into table fare. But before we do that uh, with an old buddy, uh, this segment of the show is brought to you by Pulsar, where they continue to set the gold standard in thermal imaging and night vision technology. Plus, if you tell them that I sent you when you go to PulsarNV.com, You'll save 20% off your entire order. That's right. Thermal scopes, night vision scopes, monoculars, the whole gambit. You'll save 20% just by telling them the Lone Star Outdoors show sent you. So for your next thermal or night vision optic, go to PulsarNV.com. Okay. Our next guest is a longtime friend of the show. He also is the hunting editor for Field and Stream Magazine, although today we're going to get into some Rather unorthodox preparations for rough fish, a favorite target for bow fishermen. Uh, But anyway, it is my pleasure to welcome Will Brantley back to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. It is a pleasure. How has your summer been? 
It's uh, it's been good, a little wild and crazy, but um, you know, keeping up with uh, with field and stream edit schedule for one, and uh, you know, we uh, fortunately stay pretty busy um, working on some pretty cool stuff. But uh, you know, besides that, um, kind of a kind of a typical summer in this part of the in this part of the country, working on some food plot stuff, doing a little catfish noodling, and and of course a little bow fishing. We're here. Uh, I live here close to close to Kentucky Lake, and it's a uh, it's uh, well, it's a heck of a resource. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just almost year round for for a variety of fishing opportunities, and uh, you know, and and here in the last few years, this this whole system uh, has has become well known for its bow fishing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about today, actually, uh, because I really did enjoy your piece in the June and July issue of Field and Stream titled "Fish on a Stick." Which well, thank you. Yeah, dove into the world of bow fishing and turning those oftentimes rough fish into edible table fare. Not just edible, but you know, good food. Um, mm-hmm. So before we get ahead of ourselves, though, you know, just for our listeners, if anyone out there hasn't been bow fishing, I highly recommend it because you know you talk about a blast on the water. That's about as much fun, and it's action packed. You know, it's not like you're sitting there waiting for that one big buck to walk out. Uh, you might fling fifty, a hundred arrows in a night. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just, you know, I always uh, tell folks, um, you know, it, it has some of the some of the thrills of bow hunting of, of of sneaking in close to something, and then you also have the thrill of of reeling in a big fish. Uh, of course, it doesn't hurt that it's warm outside and you're on the water and you're with your buddies. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, what's, what's not to like, I don't know that I've ever taken anybody bow fishing and I've taken a lot of, a lot of first time bow fishermen and, and people who have never really done anything else in the outdoor people who've never shot a bow and arrow in their lives. And I mean, just I, without exception, people like it. So, uh, you know, what's, what's not to enjoy. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's gaining in popularity, which you hit on in your article here. Well, for sure. You know, you go to, um, uh, you go to the ATA, you know, the Archery Trade Association show, for example, and just and just six, seven years ago, yeah, there were a few uh, small booths that had some bow fishing gear, and in the last couple of years, the you know the number of booths with uh, with bow fishing tackle has just uh, has just exploded, and and really the strides that that some of these companies have made in in making good gear has uh, has come a long way you know once upon a time um there were uh, you know just just a handful of companies making big heavy fiberglass arrows and and uh for the most part the hand wine reels you know AMS had the retriever reel that was really good and that was kind of the Cadillac if you wanted to drop 100 bucks on it yeah. and now there's several companies making really good reels and lots of companies making arrows and there's there's more effort being put into the, you know, into the points and the and the bows themselves, and there's just a lot of good stuff out there. Um, but that's another good thing about bow fishing too is, I mean, you can get as serious as you want to about it. You can buy that stuff, and you can buy, you know, a, a, a dedicated bow fishing boat and have it rigged with lights and generators and all that. But man, you can also take a hand-me-down bow, bolt a coffee can to the riser, and shoot off the bank, and still probably find some success pretty quickly so that's one of the things i like most about it is that uh in this day and age where access is uh you know kind of the the number one issue that that hunters have to overcome uh you know especially in a place like texas that's 
so overwhelmingly privately owned. Yeah. Bow fishing is one of those things, man. It's accessible to everybody, and uh, I don't know. I, I think that's a that's a really cool part of it. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, oftentimes uh, bow fishermen are doing a service to the natural environment and aquatic ecosystem because they're removing invasive carp and you know a couple other species I can think of, but yeah, it's usually carp uh, that come in and and talk about an adaptive fish they're i mean they're all over the u.s at this point um and and they compete with our native species so uh while carp might not be edible that might be one of the few that folks don't really eat uh, at least not americans anyway um you know you're still doing uh, all those other species a, a service well you know the um of course there's a lot of different carp species oh, sure. and uh you know around here i'm kind of in this you know, this Mississippi River drainage. And, um, you know, we have, uh, of course, the several uh, species of, uh, of Asian carp, specifically the, the silver carp and the big head carp, mm. um, which, uh, you know, I, I did a pretty big report on, uh, on, on bow fishing for those species in particular and their impacts on native fisheries uh, uh, about a year ago in Field and Stream. The, the feature article is called Bow Fishing the Apocalypse. Uh-huh. And, the impact that those two species alone have on some of your some of your native fish uh, is just staggering. Um, you know, a, a silver carp and a big head carp they lay up to a million eggs at a time. You think about a million eggs at a time, <laughs> even if even if half of them, uh, you know, are are only successful in in you know making a little carp, and only half of those survive. You've still got two hundred and fifty thousand new carp per fish and if you go to a place like uh barkley dam or the illinois river or something like that and you see firsthand how many of these things are in there um it's just nuts it's a wonder how any other fish could survive well it is and these things are are plankton feeders and it's not that they're out there eating the game fish it's that they are out there eating the food that the bait fish eat and you know without the bait fish the, the game fish can't survive and yeah, they can eat little carp during their first few weeks of life, but these things grow, you know, several pounds per year. And, uh, you know, you, you get a 100-pound big head, and that, there's not much that's, that's going to eat that. So, And at this point, there's not a whole lot uh, that people know to do about it. And, you know, while bow fishing is, is not a solution, we're never going to be able to shoot enough of them to put a dent in that population. Uh, you know, they're there and it is a resource and it has kind of become this new opportunity and it's a, and it's a heck of a lot of fun. And, you know, while you're talking, uh, while we're, while we're touching on, on, uh, whether or not carp are good to eat and a common carp, um, that's what we have mostly here in Texas. We yeah. have grass carp too, but mostly common carp. Yeah. I mean that they're, you know, in my experience, not real good. Um, but now, uh, the silver carp, we have cleaned those and eaten them. And, uh, you know, you kind of get over the, uh, I guess, the stigmas of saying you're eating carp. And, you know, when you when you break it down, um, they've got a lot of bones in them, but they're actually very white, flaky fish. And, uh, you know, we, we've we cleaned them, you know, you shoot a five-pounder and, and gut him, cut his head off, put it on ice. And, uh, you know, we, we've cleaned some of that meat out of them and, uh, and fried it right alongside catfish and crappie. And there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, mm. not a thing wrong with it. And there, people are actually trying to establish a uh, a commercial fishery for those fish around here because they're finding that, you know, hey, 
these these things are pretty dang good to eat. And uh, you know, if we can create a market where people want to buy them and and have them in restaurants, that might be a step in uh, you know in, in helping control this problem. But until then. Yeah, bow fishermen can uh, can shoot a whole bunch of them and and you know cut a couple of them up and and eat them and have a have a pretty good fish dinner out of it. Awesome, yeah. But and you know that the common carp tends to just get used for, as fertilizer from most of the folks I you know have fished with anyway. Um, but one species that we've shot some of you know pretty frequently that I've never thought to actually clean and, and bring home is the buffalo and that is a native mm-hmm. species uh, yep. it's not a game fish there's no limit on it it's just treated like any other rough fish a gar or carp um, but you've actually eaten buffalo ribs and and that seems to be something that's pretty common you know it's it's kind of a uh, uh, a traditional southern dish in that uh, you know in the in the mississippi delta region and now i'm in western kentucky i'm a little bit north of that but i you know, I, I spend a lot of time uh, in that region and, and lived uh, lived in Memphis for a couple of years and have, and have been all over Arkansas and Louisiana and Mississippi and mm-hmm. and uh, it's known for its uh, for its barbecue and its fried catfish and uh, probably less so for for its fried buffalo ribs and um, you know it's uh, buffalo like you say they're they're a they're a big heavy rough fish um, they they look kind of like a common carp they are native to this area. Uh, they are targeted by uh, by commercial fishermen, and and you know you you do shoot them on occasion whenever uh, whenever you're out bow fishing, and and in some places people shoot a lot of them, and yeah, they have uh, they have ribs on them that are big, and they and they've got white meat in between them, and you can cut those ribs up and uh, roll them in uh, roll them in meal and fry them, and and uh, it eats just like pork ribs, just fried fish on the outside of it. Uh huh. Well, and you told me off the air there's even restaurants in like Louisiana and Arkansas that. Uh, specialize in buffalo yeah ribs. yeah there are so the commercial fishermen target and uh some of these little restaurants kind of the off the beaten path you know fish markets and 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 dive restaurants yeah they they serve fried buffalo ribs and uh you know almost universally when i've been in a place like that to eat lunch it's, the food's pretty good so. yeah for sure not only would like to try it i'm gonna try it next time i shoot one yeah well there you so go i'll get back to you on how if if i can prepared as well as some of those restaurants uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see um now an, another species that i actually have eaten and, and do enjoy is guards texas it's usually alligator gar i don't know if you guys have them up that far north but uh guard backstraps are phenomenal if you can just you know it's a little tedious to remove them uh but other than that it's fine eating yeah, you you hit the you hit the nail on the head. Um, we we do have a few alligator gar around here, not many. Um, I actually believe they're uh, they're protected in most of our waters here. We certainly don't have the population that that you all have down there, but we have a ton of uh, long nosed gar, short nosed gar, spotted gar, uh-huh. and we you know there's places where you can shoot them and, until you're tired of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just like you said, you know, those, uh, the, those fish have, um, a back strap, uh, when, when, and literally you cut it out just like you would cut out a deer back strap once you, you know, once you open that, that skin, uh, their, their skin's pretty tough and we usually open it with like a pair of, uh, you know, wire cutters or tin snips or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but kind of peel that, that skin off, which sort of comes off like a shell and, uh, and then cut out those two those two strips of meat and um it's not a uh you know if you've had uh 
alligator tail or something like that. It's kind of a, in my experience anyway, you know, gar meat is kind of a, a, a firm, you know, uh, type meat that that's kind of, you know, kind of reminds you of alligator tail or something, but it's really white, really mild. Uh, and, and I, I think it's really good. So it's just, you know, um, you, you want to avoid the eggs on the big female gar, you know, obviously because they're, they're toxic to, uh, toxic to human beings but uh, so far as the meat goes yeah they're they're pretty tasty yeah yeah i couldn't agree with you more on that front uh another species though and this is one that you guys probably you said eat more than than any other is paddlefish and we'll preface it by saying don't in texas don't go out and shoot a paddlefish because they are protected they're threatened here uh but you guys just kind of like we have a lot of alligator gar y'all have uh, quite a few paddlefish and yeah. and according to your your piece here i mean there's not a lot of bones in these things, and apparently they come out just like steak and are, are phenomenal eating. Yeah, well, they, they don't have any bones. They're like a uh, like a shark in that they uh, their, their system is made of uh, their skeletal structure is, is made of cartilage. Um, so you can literally shoot a paddlefish and uh, take your knife and just cut the thing up. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, they're they're really good. It's a it's a firm. Uh, you know, really white fish um, that is just excellent on the grill. Um, and, and, yeah, they are a fish that, uh, you know, while we do have a lot of them around here, their, their numbers aren't in great shape uh, in a lot of the country. And, um, you know, they're a, uh, they're, you know, they're a plankton feeder. And we, we referenced the, you know, the, the Asian carp problem earlier. And, and paddlefish are, uh, are one of the, you know, one of the game fish species. Well, they're not technically game fish, but they're one of the, they're one of the major fish species that, that, you know, is directly impacted by, you know, by the Asian carp problem because they're, you know, they're direct competitors for their, you know, for their food. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, it's one of those things that I, you know, as of right now, we're allowed to shoot two a day here in Kentucky. Um, I could see that in my lifetime, probably by the time my son starts bow fishing, that that might come to an end. Uh, and, And a lot of that probably will be related to the Asian carp. But until then... Uh, yeah, if we, if we shoot one, it's, it's one of those fish that, uh, we immediately get that thing on ice because, uh, we consider them a delicacy. They're, they're one of the best eating fish we have around here, I think. Hmm. Well, I'll have to put that on the uh, bucket list, head up to Kentucky, yeah. fish with Will, and, <laughs> and try some paddlefish. Um, and, and in the article, the funniest, you kind of ended it, it came full circle. You started with paddlefish, y'all shot, you and your buddy shot a, a giant one. I guess y'all estimated at uh, 70 pounds or so and immediately got it on ice, cut it up, and you're kind of like, well, if, if we go away this thing, then we're done fishing for the day because it was what y'all thought it might have been a state record, but you didn't know what the state record was. Yeah. And uh, so you cut it up, put it on ice, like I said, got it back home, and we're eating it that night, and y'all looked up the state record, and it was 50 pounds. Yeah, yeah, it was um... – you know, Kentucky keeps uh, keeps state bow fishing records, and uh, you know it's just kind of a for fun thing. And uh, yeah, we were out on the water, and and uh, and Roby shot that fish, and um, we didn't we didn't know at the time what the what the records were, and I don't know we we might have had a smartphone with us. My it was kind of uh, in the years where we were just getting smartphones, and and even so, I don't know if we would have had service. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we were, but regardless, um, we didn't know what the record was, and weren't going to be bothered with uh, taking that fish and trailer in the boat and going to find a certified scale. So we uh, we cut it up, put it on ice, and had a big old day bow fishing the rest of the day. And come to find out later, um, you know the uh, 
the record was uh, quite a bit smaller than what we believed that fish was. But, you know, yeah. things happen. That probably probably wouldn't have had such a good story had we uh, gone looking for a scale. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, I'm sure it tasted great. Hey, it was good. It was good. We, we ate on that fish for, for a lot of the summer. So Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So. Well, well, hey, man, I, I really have enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you've inspired me to, you know, try to cut up and – uh, prepare the next buffalo I shoot. I try some buffalo ribs, and uh, and hopefully, you know, inspired some of our listeners to seek out a buddy or book a bow fishing trip. Uh, it's it's addictive, I'll tell you that. It's a lot of fun, and and you know, just uh, just because a fish isn't the one you uh, you normally think of as being good to eat, you know, it doesn't have to be a bluegill, a catfish, or a crappie to be good on the table. There's there's other stuff out there that's uh, that's pretty tasty, too. Sometimes it might require a little more creativity, but um end of the day, it beats throwing it in a ditch, I think. Mm-hmm. So, no doubt. So, well, where uh, can so. folks find you? Uh, Field and Stream. So I'm uh, Field and Stream's hunting editor, and uh, usually, uh, usually have a column in the print magazine and uh, do a lot of stuff online. So, uh, so yeah, fieldandstream.com, or uh, go ahead and Grab the Field and Stream magazine, get a get a good old fashioned paper paper copy, and uh, keep us in business. Awesome. Well, hey, Will, always great to touch base with you, man. I look forward to All our right. next visit. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right, there he goes, Field and Streams hunting editor Will Brantley, and that segment brought to you by Costa Sunglasses. If you haven't looked through the lens of their 580p technology, then you're missing out. I mean, it is game changing as far as seeing what's below the surface so for the serious angler go to costadelmar.com you can mix and match your lens frame and style any way you want really personalize your shades to fit your personality and you can find it all right there at costadelmar.com let's take a break up next i've got a a funny story to share with you we had some friends in from out of town uh manhattan to be exact last weekend and uh not only did i cook up some wild game for them but gave him an indoctrination into urban bow hunting <laughs> i'll tell you how it went over next right here on dsc's lone star outdoor show water be fire next time but a 40 day flooded suit me just fine be on the deck of an ark with a fishing line for one day if you're in the market for a compact track loader then check out the bobcat advantage where bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges whether you're looking for performance advantages uptime protection or quality design bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry but don't take our word for it watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see bobcat machines in person at bobcat of dallas lewisville bobcat of fort worth and bobcat of longview visit bobcatofdallas.com or call 469-586-0000 today LSC Trailer Sales offers a full line of utility trailers, from small single-axle trailers to heavy equipment trailers, ATV trailers, car haulers, landscape trailers, cargo trailers, truck beds, and more. They can special order a custom trailer to fit your needs and have the ability to customize standard models in-house. LSC Trailer Sales is here to assist you with any questions that you have about trailers. Call 940-566-1133 or visit lsctrailersales.com. That's lsctrailersales.com. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. 
Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Pride of El Paso, Texas, the Dirty River Boys bringing us back on Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff. Power Polaris Cable Smith here with you. Thanks so much for dropping by. I appreciate you tuning in. What are we doing here? Oh, yeah. I've got a uh, very funny story, or at least I thought it was funny, a story to share with you regarding a couple Yankees that visited the Smith House last week. It had some ups and downs, to say the least, <laughs> but I'll tell you about it here momentarily. This segment, however, is brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther take care of all of my trophy mounts, from black bear to whitetail to exotics, speckled trout, you name it. Uh, they will take care of you as well. Check them out at gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. Okay, uh, well, like I was saying... Oh, man, I just get tickled thinking about it. Uh, So anyway, my wife actually lived in Manhattan right there in the Big Apple uh, for about three years while we were dating. And uh, I I got the chance to meet some of her friends, and we've maintained a close relationship with a few of them. And they actually came down to Texas and visited the Smith House last weekend. Uh, And her friend Wayne asked that I cook up some wild game. So we did uh, actually baby back ribs, and elk sliders on the all-season smoker. Turned out phenomenal. They really enjoyed the food, but as they were leaving to go back to the hotel, uh, we were standing there visiting in the driveway, kind of saying our goodbyes, and uh, one of the fellas looks over and says, is that a dead rabbit on your mailbox? And I said, yep, that sure is. (laughs) And uh, I had mowed the yard earlier that day and flushed out a bunny rabbit, uh, went and got Belle, and she caught it and killed it. Good girl, Belle. Uh, no more rabbits destroying the yard. You know, I'm always happy to see those cottontails uh, meet their demise. But anyway, I'd set it there and said, oh, I'll just get it when I'm done mowing the yard. I didn't want to stop, so I, I'll just dispose of it later. I totally forgot. So there's a dead rabbit sitting on the mailbox. Uh, probably something you don't see in New York every day. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys decided he'd stick around for uh, another beer or two. Uh, so the other family left, and, and Wayne stuck around. And as I was disposing of that rabbit, I came across another bunny, destructive little son of a gun, uh, chowing down on my side yard. So I came and got my elite impulse and said, hey, Wayne, come with me. I want to show you something. And he's like, uh, okay, what's with the bow and arrow? And I was like, just watch. So I take him around the corner. I'm at full draw at this point. He sees the rabbit and goes, a rabbit? And then looks at me and goes, don't shoot it. Whack! I had already let the arrow go. Right in the head. Rabbit twitches one time, and it's lights out. And I look over at Wayne, and he just has this look of horror on his face. Like I was some kind of hillbilly. <laughs> Maybe I am. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, but so I, I gave uh, my buddy from New York a little baptism by fire as far as urban bow hunting goes. And for the record, I'm not advocating that if you live in a neighborhood like I do, that you shoot your bow and arrow. Uh, you know, you're rolling the dice. My neighbors are cool about it. I don't know if yours are. 
but if you have friends in from Manhattan, definitely show them how we do it in Texas. Uh, and by the way, uh, my wife, not impressed at all <laughs> with me taking the rabbit in front of our Yankee friend. But in my defense, it was a hell of a shot. I'd had a couple Lone Star beers, and I let that arrow fly. Wham! One shot, one kill, just like we practice. So there really is no moral to that story at all. <laughs> I just thought I'd share it with you. Uh, it, it, uh, that, that look on Wayne's face, uh, I don't think either one of us will ever forget it. It surely uh, took our friendship to the next level. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just looking at the clock here, unfortunately, it's that time. we got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to all of our guests today, Will Brantley from Field and Stream, Mitch King from the Archery Trade Association, and Chad Ferguson from the Catfish Edge. We'll do it again same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of Dallas Safari Club's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Welcome to Texas. Don't anybody get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We're glad y'all came to see us. Now don't forget to go back home.